Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Luke Wyatt. Luke appears on the guest line presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael is a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, furniture, and made-to-order items, including a display case for my prized Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call at 615-830-9458. Now on to our interview with Luke Wyatt. Luke Wyatt joins us. It is Monday morning. Vanderbilt has lost a close game to Missouri, won a close game with South Carolina since we last talked. Luke, thanks for joining us today. Hope you are doing well. Hope you and Oreo and the rest of the family are doing well. Uh, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, up here in beautiful Parsons slash Decaturville, Tennessee, and uh, getting ready to head back home and hopefully watch us upset the Vols tomorrow night. Yeah, I I don't think I'd put a lot of money on that. We're not going to bet on it. We're not going to bet on it, but, you know, you never know. Stranger things have happened. Well, here's the thing about this strange season they're having. It doesn't matter who Vanderbilt plays. It's been close. Bad teams, good teams. But, no, they haven't played anybody like Tennessee. But that is worth mentioning. the, The computers have the line around 20 points. I think it'll be closer than that. I don't think Vanderbilt goes to Knoxville and wins, but it just has not mattered who they played. I think they've only played one or two games that are more than, I think two games that have been decided by more than 12, and those were Southeastern Louisiana and Moorhead State, which Vanderbilt won both those in blowouts. Yeah, the only their two largest margins of defeat were Southern Miss by 12, and they lost by 10 to, I think, St. Mary's maybe. Yeah, which is nine in Ken Palm as of Monday morning. Yeah, they are a really good team. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, here's the thing: Tennessee, the last three games, has played as good as they can play. If they continue to shoot the basketball the way I watched that the other day, and I know South Carolina's not good, but my goodness, just in a shoot around, you don't shoot like that. They were hitting everything, right. and even the seven foot kid a do was hitting threes. I was like, what in the world? But but so if they keep shooting like that, along with their team defense, uh, they could beat us by thirty. Yeah. Um, where do you want to go with this basketball team? Well, I, you know, and, and I've, I've told you this before, Chris. I'm a kind of a wait-and-see guy in year four. I know there's a lot of things that point the needle toward a negative. There really is. And, and, and it's just got a bad feel to it. I, I agree with that. But, gosh, you know, something like we just talked about. They continue to play hard. They continue to play for this coach. Um, uh, I don't know what the t- I'd love to be a fly on the locker room wall, uh, and see what it's really, really like in there. Uh, but all indications are there's not a problem in the locker room with the kids. And that's, that's a bit surprising to me because no one likes losing. And especially when you've got three freshmen that aren't getting any minutes, hardly, uh, you would think there would be some issues there and there, there could be, but, uh, it, even though, like I said, the, the needles, it doesn't look favorable. It's hard to uh, say that it's a complete train wreck right now. 
Yeah, I do think it, it sort of sounds strange to have th- that he doesn't have locker room issues, but I, I think I think there's times where he has been at it with Jordan Wright. It's been people that have sat next to the court that have told me they've kind of been back and forth with each other at times, but that seems to have sort of passed at this point. I'm think, not hearing a whole lot about locker room issues either. I mean, I think the team, the, the players, from what I can tell and what I've been told, generally like him. And I know people who have worked for him and worked for him, and they like him. Um, so, you know, that's all I can judge by because I don't know the man well at all. So that's all I can judge by. Now, there's, there's things about his personality from afar that I don't like, but that's from afar. And you can, uh, you know, we all make mistakes on judging people's character when we really don't know them. Yeah, I, I think there, I've heard the same thing. There are a lot of people that, that do like him. Now, there's also some that, that really don't. And the fan oh, yeah. base is at the top of that list right now. And, and I don't think the fans have a lot of reason to feel any differently. He's never really done a lot of outreach. He does the the cookout with the football team. But, I mean, blocking people on Twitter, I don't know if this is true. I'd sent out that tweet about the gym and the, right. the stands because it was it was alarming. Now, I think they had some issues getting people in the gate. There was a backup at one or two of the gates, somebody told me, which I'm just thinking, don't you have to see that coming? Like, if you're Vanderbilt, don't you have some sort of a plan? Like, if you don't have people in the gym at tip-off, Knowing there could be a bottleneck with rush hour, it's maybe some of that on you. But regardless, I don't think there were four thousand people in the gym at any point for the Carolina game. Someone had said I, I can't verify that. Like the people that liked that tweet were getting blocked on Twitter. Just like, what are you doing if you're Jerry Stackhouse? Why are you spending so much time? on those sorts of things when you're already at a point where your win-loss record has got you in bad graces with the fan base. I don't get that. I, I'll tell you why. That's just an ego thing. People, yes. in my in my opinion, people like Jerry Stackhouse, who've had nothing but success in their life and uh, have always been told how great they were, they feel like the place should be full regardless whether you're winning or losing. And that's not reality especially for Vanderbilt, who's been kicked in the teeth so many times. You know, you people can look, you can look at it one of two ways. You can either say we have a horrible fan base or a great fan base. We One thing's for certain, we have a small fan base. So the small fan base that shows up has to be the best fans in the world. I mean, they're as good as the Cubs fan base that showed up in droves for all those years when they were terrible. So, you know, if you want to call a Vanderbilt fan a bad fan, I, I disagree with you because – Showing up, you know, when you get kicked in the teeth over and over and over again in sports and football, basketball primarily, uh, you know, that, that means you're a good fan. You're doing everything you can do anyway. Well, I think there's two things with the fan base. You can take all their football fans that show up for home games and probably fit them into Memorial Gym. Yes. You could take all the, all the fans that show up for home games now for basketball, Vanderbilt fans, and probably fit them into Hawkins Field. Um, Hawkins Field is, is still doing okay. Then you you could take the fans that short for women's games, I bet, and probably stick them in a locker room somewhere or close to it. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't get to, I didn't go to the Tennessee game yesterday with the women, 
I heard there was actually more Vanderbilt fans there than they than usual, which I guess that's because it was Tennessee. I don't know. Uh, but I, I wasn't there. I'd like to know what that attendance was. Yeah, I, I think that you have fans that are sitting on the sidelines until there's change or changes over there. Oh, I I, I think you're 100% correct on that. Cause I know, in fact, I know for a fact there are because I talked to them. And they're saying, Luke, I'm not going back. I've even offered some people when I had extra tickets, you want to go with me, man, I'm going to watch it. I don't want to go get my heart broke again or, or, or ruin my day. That's what they'll say. So, you know, I get that. And I do. I get that. I don't blame some people for not showing. Um, I did get a little irritated in football after we'd beaten Kentucky. Uh, I thought there should be maybe a few more people there for the Florida, especially the Tennessee game. Uh, but I, you know, that's okay. It's your choice. It's your money. It's your dollars. I don't, I don't tell people how to spend their dollars. I, I think they've been fans that have been sitting it out for the last three or four years. Cause I think they think that's the only recourse they've got. And it is pretty much. And I don't even know if that matters to certain people over there. I, I yeah. hope it does. And it better matter to Mr. DD because if it doesn't matter to him, then we, we have lost all hope. Yeah. Anything else on the last couple games, or do you just want to go straight into the mailbag? I'd like to talk a little bit about the two games. I felt like, you know, even though South Carolina was a close game and we won in overtime, that was our own doing because we left all those points on the, uh, at the free throw line. You know, we win that game by 12 to 15 points if we just hit a 70% free throw uh, percentage. Now, we did credit where credit is due. In the overtime, we hit 12 of 13 or 14. I can't remember. Uh, so that game I was fine. I was fine with. We didn't play great, but we still won the game. And it was a, even though Chris, you you wouldn't think so. The first game of the conference that was a pressure packed game for our kids because everyone's saying South Carolina's the worst team. And if you don't win this one, who are you going to beat? We all know the season don't really work that way, but right. it was that it was that situation to where if you don't win that game, the few fans you still had there. <laughs> you're going to cut that in half again. So uh, for that game, that's the way I feel about it. And then the, the Missouri game, um, I think, and you and I talked about this the other day, I feel like there's right now, and I know it'll change, but at this point in the season, there's four teams in the SEC that I think are really, really good. I think even though Arkansas lost to Auburn at Auburn, I go Arkansas, and not in any certain order, Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama, and Missouri are the four best teams, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Kentucky. How in the world they can go three for 30 with their three best players. Uh, They're an enigma to me. Uh, They should be better than they are. Uh, Blame that on Calipari or whoever you want to. Um, But I thought the Missouri game, we played about as well as we could play. Uh, I I was really irritated at that non-goaltending call. That doesn't happen to other teams. You don't see that much, Chris. I, I, I know... We can say that's, you know, sour grapes. Everybody knew that was a bad call. Yeah. That's horrible. I mean, everybody that you see on the SEC network, everywhere, you know, in defense of that, that was, that was ridiculous. I don't know how Stackhouse didn't have another VCU on that one. Um, but I thought we played well enough. I mean, when you, when you go on the road against the top 20 team and you have the ball in the air to tie it with seconds to play, you can't ask for much more. Yeah, they were very competitive. Might, might not have been Missouri's A game, but Missouri's a team that can score a lot of points in a hurry. It mm-hmm. felt like they sort of gummed Missouri up early and gave 
themselves a chance to win with that. I'll, I'll give you this on Missouri, and I know you really hound Dennis Gates, and I, I, I think he's a good coach too from what I've seen. But the thing they do better than probably anybody in the conference is turn people over. And yeah, that's they the thing. better than anybody like, in the country. Yeah. That's, oh, it, well, statistically, you may be right. You keep up with that. I, but I'm just saying, just as from the eyeball look, that's what wins them games because they go along and they're going to stay with you because they're good enough just to stay even. But that's how they that's how they get the uh, advantage is they'll they'll go through two or three uh, streaks of turnover. Like Tyron Lawrence, they had that kid so tore he couldn't even dribble the basketball, and uh, they saw it. And there there goes coaching. I thought Dennis Gates once he saw how how weak Tyron was with the ball, it was a trap every time, or uh, put pressure on him every time, and it worked. I think he had five turnovers in his minutes. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Yeah, back to the conference, I see it this way. I think you've got two elite teams in some order in Tennessee and Alabama. I think you've got three pretty good teams in Auburn, Arkansas, and Missouri. They've all got weaknesses. Arkansas, I don't think, is going to get Nick Smith Jr. back who was supposed to be their best player, and they're already without Trayvon Brazil. Auburn has got some weaknesses, but Bruce Pearl always seems to have his teams playing near their ceiling. I think Auburn's probably, a, I don't know, a five or six seed in the NCAA tournament when the dust settles. And Missouri, I, th- I think, is going to be in as, as maybe, a, I don't know, maybe a six-ish or so just because of that offense. After that, Kentucky is a mess. Mississippi State can defend, but not very good offensively. LSU still trying to figure out what to make of. Uh, there's some okay teams. Georgia's better than people thought. But I'm looking down the schedule. Ken Pomeroy's got Vanderbilt at 6-12 and 12 in the league. Of course, 1-1 one and one already built into that. You know, I think the two games are going to be key. Probably are going to be Georgia on the 21st. That's in Athens, and then Kentucky at home. I would not be floored if Vanderbilt upset Kentucky in that one. In fact, I'm looking at it. Vanderbilt's only a four-point underdog in that on Pomeroy. Um, Ole Miss at home on February 4th is one they've got a shot at. Both Florida games, I think they've got a shot at. South Carolina away, they've got a shot at. There's some winnable games here. I just don't think they've proven to be good enough to win a lot more than that. And I think that's the issue. They just seem to play everybody close. I think you're right. And, and, the, and the thing that they've got, the hump, I guess you say, they have to get over. 
is at the end of a basketball game, the last couple of minutes, it's almost like there's not really a great go-to person. I know who it should be, in my opinion, and how they should do it, but I don't, I just don't think there's any real plan. It, you know, one game it might be Liam take, you know, taking a shot. Next time it might be Studi. Next time it might be Jordan Wright. You know, the other day we had two wide open threes with Jordan Wright, and he rims them both. So, you know, is that coaching? Is that, you know, they were wide open shots. I don't know. I don't know how you do that. You know, if he makes those shots, everybody's happy. So I, I don't know. I just feel like toward the end of games, we don't have that go-to person that you can – rely on getting the basket or at least get to the free throw line. Well, the thing that is drawing a lot of people's ire is the playing time with Liam Robbins. And and I think the fans are right, although I'm looking at something. I didn't realize this. Okay, that's fouls drawn. Never mind. He's drawing fouls at the 13th best rate in the country, 7.1 per 40 minutes. He's being charged with fouls at 4.3 per 40 minutes, which for big is an awful. Unless they've got some kind of data that says after 23 or 24 minutes that Robbins' efficiencies or whatever just drop off, and even Robbins at less than max efficiency is probably still better than what they've got. That's the one that's um, got the fans talking, and I don't, I don't think they're wrong about that. Again, they may have some information – that suggests that the fans are wrong, but that's the thing that's got people fired up right now is why doesn't Liam Robbins see playing time more? Because he is probably two or three times better than, than anybody else on the team at this point. I, uh, I've noticed something about Liam and I may be wrong. It may just be him, his personality. And, and this happens to a lot of bigs. He looks, and I'm not saying his conditioning's bad, but I don't sure he has great, uh, what's the word? Anyway, the other day when he's shooting his free throws, which by the way, he hit all six of them in between free throws, he's grabbing his shorts and leaning down and looks to be breathing hard. I'm not so sure he doesn't get tired quick and may need those blows. I don't know Yeah. because as a coach, it's obvious who your best player is. Okay. You're not going to not play him and, and not try to win. You're going to do everything you can to try to win the game. I would think, I mean, it's ignorant not to think so. So there's got to be something to those extra four or five minutes that he's not getting that we're not seeing. Got to be. Well, and that and that's the problem Stack's got right now. He's not built in any any grace with the fan base. Uh, you know, they're no, fourteen at forty in the SEC. The recruiting's not been good, and the the Twitter blocking of fans obsessively within probably minutes of the game. He just he's not built himself any goodwill. At this point, and I, I think that's probably going to be his undoing. Yeah, if if if, if it keeps going in that direction, sure. Because if uh, you know, and, and I think you may have said this earlier on, if we start out the gates one and eight uh, or two and seven, you know, when do these kids that don't want to be here anymore uh, or the freshmen aren't getting any minutes? When do you start hearing transfer portal for guys? And stuff like that. If that starts happening, you can forget it. It's it's time. But uh, let's hope that that doesn't happen. I, I I still hold out hope because, you know, if you if, again if you can take top twenty team like Missouri, Missouri is a good team, and play them well pretty much the entire night. Uh, 
you have a chance to still win games if you figure out the last part of games. <laughs> let's go to the mailbag if you're ready. Sure, let's do it. Okay, our mailbag is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. Okay, let's just go in order here, I guess. Papa Hick 4VU, how likely is it that Stackhouse is fired after this season, or is that not even on the radar? Oh, I think it's on the radar. I really do. Um, I, I will say this. I don't, the first season he was there, you wipe that out to me. I think you wipe it out with Clark's first season in football. So that, that first season, I don't include in the numbers. I just don't. That's just who I am. Now, if, if in year four, which is really year three to me, if, if you're still not as good as you were last year, which is NIT to me, then they really have to take a long look at it because uh, there's nothing to encourage your fan base that's going to be better next year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think for sure no postseason in, in yeah. IT and CAA. I just don't see how you make a case at that point. No. Okay, Via Perius says, coaching searches over the years, who are some of the names of potential coaches you either saw on campus for interviews or heard about around McGugan that you thought would be game changers? Uh, is this? I'm sorry, is this basketball only? I think it can be anything. Uh, well, now I know Gus Malzahn was on campus. I saw him. Uh, hey, let, let me stop you there before you finish the rest of this one. I was heard that there were some – there was a crazy story or two around why, why Malzahn didn't take the job or wasn't hired. I never found those out, but you might know. The only rumor, and I say this is rumor because I heard it from someone who is reliable, but uh, it was the only thing I ever heard from this person, which is kind of strange. Gus Malzahn was good friends with Herb Hand. And there was, Gus, I guess, felt like he had some choices. And he wanted, and Herb kind of asked, not asked us, but it was kind of understood that, hey, Herb thinks he may get the job after Franklin left. And because uh, Herb stuck around. If you, if you remember, Herb didn't go right away to Penn State. He he got another week or so there to see if he was going to, you know, get the head coaching job. That's the only strange thing I heard about it. Well, you're talking two different coaching searches there because Malzahn was sort of the front runner when Franklin got the job. Well, maybe I maybe I am, but that's that's what I was told. I don't I don't know how that works out. Yeah, but I know Herb. I know Herb did stay back, thinking he may get the job when when Franklin left until he went to Penn State. He stayed back. Okay, uh, continue on. Just the question again was names of coaches that you saw or heard or whatever uh, that, the, that were considered. Uh, the, only other, the only other one in basketball I heard was uh, when Todd Turner was here, the the coach who was at uh, Washington at the time maybe or took the Washington job. His name's escaping me right now. Uh, Bob I'm Bender? Sure what, uh, yes. not sure he would have been a great hire. Uh, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think he would have been a great hire. I haven't really heard of anybody that would have been a tremendous hire. Uh, the women's coaching. Well, wait a minute. You're, you're missing one. Uh, he coached at Duke and had some success. 
well, that yeah, Coach K, yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> I, I guess I'm just not thinking that far back. That was 1981 right. area. Uh, I'm just more thinking of recent. Uh, the only thing, and I think you, you and I both know women's basketball where they've missed on that. Situation. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the thing is the alternatives they had for those oh. jobs uh, were the last two times. Crazy. It just ignored. Yeah. That's real frustrating. Yeah. Um, the Superior, do you think Jay Cutler is involved around the program? And if not, why? Jay kind of keeps to himself, I think. Uh, I know he and Clark talk. Um, I don't know how involved he is. Jay left Vanderbilt with a lot of problems as far as uh, – I know he was very upset when John Sisk was let go as a strength coach, and he voiced that. Um, he had done some stuff and gave some money to the weight room, uh, and, and, and mainly because of John Sisk. So I think that was a problem. I don't think Jay, and he can speak for himself, but I don't think Jay had a very good relationship with David Williams. Um, and, and, Jay, and Jay's personality is one that, Hey, look, unless you show me that what you're getting ready to do is worth it, I'm not going to get involved. He just doesn't get involved. Yeah, I had heard that he was spending some time with Malcolm Turner and that they sort of had Jay in a point where I'm, I may not be getting this exactly right, but the, the feeling that I got was they were about to sort of maybe turn Jay into a guy that would, would give a little bit of money back to the program or maybe maybe not a little bit, maybe whatever. Right. Yeah, I think, I think that uh, that ship has sailed. Yeah, I think it has too. Uh, Ann Arbor door. Do you know if Watson Brown or Jan Van Bridikoff engaged at any level with university or the AD staff or are engaged as in right now? Uh, Watson, I don't think he is. Uh, I, I, I know Watson came and visited Clark. Uh, so, and I know he's very supportive of Clark, but I don't think, no, I don't think so. Not, not to any extent. Um, in fact, uh, when the 82 team was brought back, uh, there was a misunderstanding and Watson can speak to this, but there was a misunderstanding about tickets and how, where he could park and stuff like that. And they never got back to him. So, <laughs> and I'll let Watson explain that if he wants to, if he happens to hear this, but just typical stuff that falls through the cracks over there that shouldn't, you know. People just don't know who anybody is. That's the problem. You got people over there that don't know the history of the program. And we've talked about this before. It's just so aggravating that they don't they don't take care of their own. Yeah. Okay, Ann Arbor, any PG rated Coach Woody stories you can share? I mean, we could probably do this <laughs> for another two hours. I've got a hard out at eleven. We're doing at ten forty two. Well, there's there's too many R-rated and maybe a couple X-rated with Woody, so I I, I don't want to go there completely. He just had a lot of funny things that he did, uh, stuff that I don't feel comfortable with saying on the air. Um, he, but you know what? Woody was well-liked by everyone I ever met. I don't know anybody that didn't like Woody. They may have complained about, Woody should have kept running the defense and not hired Herb Patera, and we'd have won more games if Woody had been more involved with the defense. And 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 you know I don't 
I don't disagree with that. But uh, Woody is one of my favorite people over there. I, I think I heard your your and I did hear your podcast with Seabass, which was fantastic, by the way. You guys are great together, and uh, I think Seabass is probably if you held a gun to his head, his favorite coach would have been Woody. Yeah, he loved him. That's for sure. I, yeah. I, I never met Woody. Oh my gosh, you missed out. He was a yeah. he really was a a a, a positive person. Uh, I'll think of some stories and try to maybe turn the R into a PG at some point so we can go over right. those. I, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put that to pen and paper. I like it. Okay. Ann Arbor door, when Van Breedekoff was fired, Bob Bender was maybe a finalist for the Vanderbilt job. I thought I actually heard he was introduced to the team. Am I remembering this correctly? And are there more insights that you can share? Seems like the rumor was that his wife vetoed the offer that maybe he accepted. Didn't hear that he was introduced to the team. I know he was there. I saw him. Uh, but I didn't know that he got introduced to the team. If that happened, it could have happened. But I don't remember that at all. And, and the thing about his wife vetoing, no. Don't know anything about that at all. But he, he was there. It was close. And I think um, – it was very close to him being the head next head coach. Okay, VU Matt twenty three. What would it take for you to fire Stackhouse if each of you were AD? Well, right now it's it's not just wins and losses. It's the way the program is trending. Um, so I would say this: uh, the wins and loss thing will take care of itself. But if we aren't trending upwards at the end and we don't go to a postseason tournament, more than likely an NIT, if anything, then to me it's it's time to look elsewhere. Yeah, I, I think at this point, if something happened and he got to the NIT and somehow he restored a lot of goodwill, then I'd think about it. Otherwise, there's no way. No. Uh, you cannot continue to let Memorial – I mean, football is what football is. They, they you know – we understand that, but basketball—that place has tons of potential. As we've all seen in the in the history of Memorial Gym, the place can be a hard place to win. And we've sat here, and and you can actually count how many people are in three F and three L. That's that's ridiculous. This should never have have deteriorated to that, to that. Yeah, when it gets to county attendance, you know that's a bad spot. Yes. Okay, um, Raiders 1967, was Quinn Snyder seriously a part of a coaching search? I think he meant the one that involved Bob Bender and Van Breedekoff. He was. He was, uh, he was interviewed, and he was, he was on campus, too. I saw him. Actually, I didn't see him at Vanderbilt. I saw him at a restaurant, uh, the old uh, cooker, I think. I think he was the cooker then. Uh, I actually saw him in there. So I assumed he was there for that reason. So he was definitely involved and definitely, I think, if Bender didn't come, maybe Quinn Snyder would have been the head coach. Okay, this is the last one. What was your view of the firing of Watson Brown? Well, personally, I I have to take my personal feelings out of it. I love Watson Brown. Um, The way it was handled by Paul Houlihan was ridiculous. There was no reason to do it that way. But, you know, and people always, the old saying is there's not a good way to fire someone. Well, that's true, but there's also a, a way that you can do it with class. 
having Jerry DiNardo in the press box and already having him hired before, you know, the game against Tennessee and stuff like that, you know, it's ridiculous. But I think Paul Uland after the SMU game, the only thing that would have saved Watson Brown was us going to a bowl. Because the next week, if you remember, we beat LSU. And that's the only game we wound up winning. But played some decent football after that. But it was it was well known that Houlihan didn't care who we beat. He was going to get his own guy, and he was getting rid of Watson. He and Watson were oil and, oil and water. Yeah. Any parting thoughts? We're done with the mailbag. No, I just uh, look forward to these two games. Uh, you know, if if uh, if we play well, like I said, I think we have a chance to win at Tennessee tomorrow night. Uh, I do think we also have a chance against Arkansas just because they're a little beat up right now. So yeah, these next I agree. Two, I'll, be, I'll look forward to talking about those uh, and, and see if there's, you know, again, uh, the playing time with Liam. Uh, will we continue to do what we do? And I don't have a problem with, starting the guys we start that's the starting thing doesn't bother me either you know coaches have strategies and they're they're there you know even though i know jerry was short the other day with one of the members of the media i get where he's coming from you know you're not at my practices you don't see what i see you don't communicate with the kids i get all that um so you know you're going to wind up lying in the bed you make anyway so it's all going to you know it's going to turn out the way it's going to turn out so you're going to either be proved to be right or you're going to be proved to be wrong. So I think the next uh, the next two games, if we somehow earn a split, then they're okay. Hey, Luke, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next Monday. All right, Chris. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.